Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome back to the Writers Panel. And hey, Happy New Year. It's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. As you know, I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had almost a thousand writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows that interest you. I myself have written a bunch of things with my writing partner, Ben Acker, so not just myself. Uh, We were on the writing staff of Supernatural, of Puss in Boots, on a few other programs. Last year, though, 2017 was a weird year. We did a lot of writing, but very little of it for TV. We were out pitching a couple of projects, but I'm not allowed to talk about those yet. But here are some things you can run out and buy if you want to support me and if you want to support this show. And supporting me is supporting this show. Uh, Acker and I wrote two Star Wars one-shot comics tied into The Last Jedi, the terrific new Star Wars movie. One of these is about the salt-covered planet of Crate, which you see in the movie. It is stunningly illustrated by Mike Mayhew, who's done a bunch of Star Wars work for Marvel. Um, there are a few pages in there that are among my very favorite comic book work uh, that, that Ben and I have done. And that's out now. You can get that from your local comic book shop or at Comixology. And on January 31st, our story about Benicio Del Toro's character, DJ, is being released. It's penciled by Kev Walker and shows how DJ wound up in jail on the casino planet in The Last Jedi. Both of those are from Marvel. Both of those, get them in your comic book store or on Comixology. And if you want more Star Wars from Acker and me, you can check out our young adult series of novels called Join the Resistance. It's about a bunch of kids who join up with General Leia's resistance in the time leading up to The Force Awakens. It's Goonies with X-Wings. You're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. The first two books are currently available through Amazon, and the third in the trilogy is coming later this year. It won't be a long wait. Finally, uh, also in comics, the collected edition of Death Be Damned, the supernatural western that Acker and I wrote with our pal, showrunner Andrew Miller, uh, who's currently doing the Tremors series, is now available. It's four issues. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and we're very proud of it. That's from Boom Studios, and that collected edition is also available on Amazon. You want more plugs? Okay, on Saturday, February 3rd, just days after the second season finale, I'm doing a live panel with creator Mike Schur and the writers of The Good Place, including Megan Amram, Jen Statsky, a whole bunch of others. The event benefits Write Girl LA, a creative writing and mentoring organization that promotes creativity, critical thinking, and leadership skills to empower teen girls. We're going to talk all about The Good Place's first two seasons. We're going to answer your questions. It's going to be a really fun time for a good cause. Find tickets right now at Largo-LA.com. That's The Good Place Live Writers Panel on February 3rd. Okay, that is it for now. I'm working a lot on two major projects, one in TV and one in comics, and I'm not allowed to tell you about them. But when I am, you'll be the first to know. So thanks for listening to these long introductions. These Mark Maron-style rambling introductions. Uh, But for now, I really want to hear from you. What writers haven't I had on the podcast that you want to hear from? What TV are you watching? What am I not asking that you want to know? Email me at nerdistwriters at gmail.com. I'll read all those emails that come in, and some really nice ones have, so thank you guys, and and I'm going to use your questions going forward. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. Uh, Like the Writers Panel on Facebook. Visit writerspanel.tumblr.com. That's all the social media. 
If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Now, more than ever, I need the sweet adrenaline rush of a good review to distract me from all the work I have to do and the dumb, stupid world that we live in. And now, here's a great theme song by Paul and Storm. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Welcome, you guys. Thank I'm you. I'm so you. excited that this is happening. <laughs> I can't. This was hatched by uh, our friend Danielle Sanchez Witzel, who is here with us. Yes, hello. I'm so excited. I woke up this morning. I'm, I'm going to go talk to General Hospital writers. This is going to be so amazing. And anyone who knows me, I, I'm proud to say, knows that how incredible this is for me and how exciting it is. And you mentioned here. it on the podcast a few months I ago, did. and now we're finally doing it. Uh, and it was that fast, uh, thanks to friends at the network. Thanks <laughs> to you guys, too. Uh, we have Shelley Altman, who is the head writer. Right. And Chris Van Etten, who is the co-head writer. Yes. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, thanks. I'm glad we caught you in L.A. You're usually in New York, right? That yes. Right. Even though the show is produced in uh, California, right. much of our writing team is based in New York. I'm curious to hear just about that to start. Like, what? I mean, look, I told you guys before we started rolling, we have a mm-hmm. lot of questions about how a daily drama is put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much going on in these shows. I caught up this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the um, last 54 years yeah, worth. I feel like I know you. everything. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but I did watch this week, and it's just incredible to me how much story is crammed into every show. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's break it down. Let's sort of start at the beginning. Uh, It seems like you guys both kind of came up in soaps. Uh, Is that right? What is your background as writers? I did not. No, I actually uh, came from theater, primetime, and film, Mm -hmm. and got into soaps uh, later. How Uh, did that happen? um, Divorce. My actually, it was sort of my own life became a soap opera, and I, um, oh my, uh, my longtime collaborator had um, some uh, personal issues, and he was no longer uh, able to work for a while, mm-hmm. and I was alone with my kids and was looking for something that didn't go into midnight or one mm-hmm. in the morning uh, when you're in That's high a good, production. Good thing to look for, yeah. Yeah. So um, a friend of mine was uh, working with the soap. I had never watched a soap. To me, that was the thing that you passed on your way to the public TV station. <laughs> you know, and when was this? This was like snob. early 90s? This was the early 90s, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mid-90s. Um, and um, I started to watch um, Days of Our Lives in Another World. And I okay. And then the next day I was like, yeah, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? And um, anyway, I st- so that was how I got into daytime, and I've stayed. <laughs> yeah, so coming off of theater and primetime, did it feel like a different kind of writing? Clearly the pace is different, and again, we'll talk about that. But and the process, the- really, more than anything. Actually, I, I think it's more like theater mm-hmm. than uh, the other genre, the, than film or, or TV. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the, the fact that there is no hiatus, that you are... The immediacy of writing yeah. and seeing it on the air is pretty incredible. It's like no other discipline that I've worked in. What is that turnaround? Well, right now I think we're writing three months ahead of air, which oh, wow. is long. That's I mean, that's a long. nice, that's great. If we can keep <laughs> it to that, that's great. There have been times when it's been a lot more immediate than that. How mm-hmm. close can you get? What's, what's the worst case scenario? <laughs> um, there were times when it was pretty darn close, wasn't it? Uh, I think when I first was at General Hospital the last time, 
it was like six weeks right. from uh, six weeks is about yeah, I remember yeah. when we started from there. from the outline to air. So there's still the script stage in between right. those. So right. it was it was fairly quick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And w- again, five days a week, right. every mm-hmm. week of the year. Right. So you're just churning out yeah. material. Um, I wanted to uh, hear Chris your background, and then I, I sort of want to get into some of this process stuff. Uh, well, I grew up on soap operas, which is uh, I mean. Me too. Right. I was watching them, as I've said before, I was watching them when I was much younger than I should have been watching them. And my uh, my sensibilities were, I think, uh, crafted by things that happened in the late 80s and early 90s. So, what were your soaps? Uh, mainly One Life to Live in General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, underground cities of yeah. gold, right? People yeah. going to heaven on a spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. Super spies being locked in cages, guarded by Doberman's name Satan. Okay. These are things that I cut my teeth on as like an eight-year-old. Oh my god! Um, but then I I didn't know that writing for soap operas was a I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. So I fell into acting, and I went to school to be an actor, and I wasn't very good. But I uh, <laughs> but I got an internship at One Life to Live. I was going to school in New York, and Shelley was writing at One Life to Live, which is where I first met her. Uh, and then I wound up working for the show about a little bit after I graduated and fell into writing after that. Yes, so I did not come from a writing background. Right. I came from a performing background. And but you knew, it's interesting, I mean, you knew the rhythms, you had internalized the rhythms of yes. this kind of writing, yes. which is very interesting to me. Right. That and uh, I, it's interesting this podcast is happening in a comic book store because that is the other thing that I grew up uh, as a kid uh, was reading comic books and they're so similar yeah. in, in their modes of storytelling. That How so? Let's talk about that for a sec. Uh, well, specifically when I was younger, the comic book that I was afraid to read was The Uncanny X-Men, which was written by Chris Claremont back then. I had this, I came into comic books as a kid and I was like, that one just seems so complicated. There's all this <laughs> stuff that happened. You sure. have to know so much. But then one day I just there's decided 30 to years of right, exactly. And on this show, there's no, almost 55. <laughs> but uh, you could, you know, you when you do pick up a, a copy of that, at least back then, I don't know what it's like now because it's gotten too expensive for me to follow. But uh, you know, the the callbacks to things that happened years before, um, you pick up hints in the story to what's you know, uh, to what's happened in the past and hints that'll tell you what's going on now. I, this is I, this hyper serialization, mm-hmm. getting to know a character that you can know for decades yeah uh, yeah that's interesting um shelly i'm curious to hear about when you joined uh daytime tv and that sort of transition period and sort of learning the rhythms of the show and the workplace and like how did how were you trained on this or do they just throw you in it was trial by fire i mean there are um uh, writing programs there used to be anyway where they would develop writer development where they would develop mm-hmm. writers for soap operas and at that time and this is 1995 there were 12 soap operas on the air yeah. you know as you know there are now four, are four. so wow. um, uh, but I didn't come out of one of those and um, I walked in the door and was was the I had a primetime cachet Mm-hmm. Which I didn't. <laughs> I knew I didn't know what I was doing, but they didn't. Right, uh, which I but, feel like is the case for a lot of writers. Going uh, into exactly. A new room. So, but if you go in with confidence, and because I'd been watching, uh, it was another world that uh, mm-hmm. my first uh, daytime job. Because I'd been watching the show, and I had all ideas, and they sent me off to write, and I just fell into it naturally. I just took to it and really liked it. Uh, I got it. It's yeah. like. 
you know, okay, I got it. I got where these people are coming from and where they're going and the directions you could go and the beauty of being able to write comedy and tragedy all in the same episode was, mm-hmm. it was great. So. so let's, let's break that down a little bit and sort of walk us through how an episode is made or how a week of episodes is made. Well, it's a real, um, very specific process, and this is pretty much true of the other shows, too. It starts with the long-term story projection, which often gets deviated from as you go along. Who's, but, doing, but, who's doing that? Because I think even the writer's room is different, right? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It, you guys have people who outline and people who write. Like, who's in, when, from the beginning, who's in the room? So, at at that point, it's really just Chris and me, okay. you know, dreaming up the what's going to happen in three Dreams, months and six months. And in New York, right. you two are just in a, room, a writer's room together in New York, thinking, okay, what what do we want the next six months of General Hospital to be? Exactly, okay. and um, there's a lot of puzzle pieces mm-hmm. that need to be put together because we're dealing with twenty seven contract right. players uh, and how will they all interlap and uh, what is it what does the board look like what are you are you using index cards do you have characters color coded is it whiteboards or what we've got the, a <laughs> we've got a board with it's like homeland it's like eight by ten we've got yeah. eight by ten uh, glossies up on a wall okay just oh, the really? pictures of the characters uh, and um, and that's what we've got period we've got uh, bless their hearts. We have the fans who've written more of the history of the show on the internet it's than, me. than I'm here. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's that, been that does become a yeah. real valuable thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm working on Star Wars stuff now, yeah. and you need those mm-hmm. episode fan guides wikis. and that kind of thing yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, and the actors themselves, uh, who some of them have been on the show uh, for many, many sure. years, will know more about their character at times than we do. Yeah. So, but you, you start from that. So once we've dreamed up the future, Um, then there's a group of what are called breakdown writers or outline writers, and um, there are five Mm -hmm. on that level. And they're in New York or Los Angeles? Uh, We have one in Los Angeles right now. The rest are in New York. And that's just the way it happened. We have no particular... Uh, need to have anybody on mm-hmm. either coast. There are the one who isn't in the room is on the phone. Sure. Uh, and so, so you guys have these big story arcs. Then, do you bring the outline writers in and sort of walk them through it? Is that the best? yes? We basically tell them where we're going, but then their job is to do the week by week. Mm-hmm. So then, I will prepare a weekly projection, uh, and then with these writers, we assign five shows. A week's worth of shows. So they're going to write multiple storylines. I feel like I like when people mm-hmm. come up and ask me, they're like, as a half a writer, like, do you just write for one character? I'm like, you're such, <laughs> an, idiot. You're such an idiot. But now I'm like, so do you just write for one well, character? It's so funny. I we are always, yeah, we're always asked. Yeah, that. because like, I, I don't know too, where that because it began. feels like it's it's modular, right? It feels like you could do that when, in fact, when you look at the but, bigger picture, it's really yeah. Not. It would be really impossible yeah. because uh, because there's so many overlapping stories and interlocked. Stories. It, if there's no way of writing for yeah. one character right. without writing for seven, or even others. one storyline, so they have to take the whole chunk of a week and outline that. Exactly. So, or. so one writer will uh, plot out. We will plot out together uh, mm-hmm. what will happen on Monday's episode from beginning to end because okay. you really need to know since every day ends with a cliffhanger you really really must know where that one is going to end before you can assign sure. the next one and, and then, then we continue that then it goes to um, a dialogue writer 
Mm-hmm. Uh, these outlines are very, very full, dense outlines that really, really are the roadmap. Are they, I mean, true, just to get, are they in what screenwriter? Are they in final draft? Are they in a Word document? Just, you, a, just a, a Word, word document. document of paragraphs the outlines are Word documents. and scenes right. and a little dialogue, maybe, or not? You know, there are different producers of different preferences. Uh-huh. Um, our outlines tend to be kind of dialogue heavy. Our, our outlines do tend to be the show. You can take that and you go, okay, I this is what it's going to look like. Uh, our writers are very visual in their descriptions, and there is dialogue. You might not use the word says. You might right. use, Chris particularly uses <laughs> so such wonderful verbs. People opine or, or, or they muse. Um, but it's dialogue. I keep a word list. I'm like, which word have I not used in two weeks? Exactly. That's a good adjective here. Yeah. Um, but they're still saying. So there there is a lot of dialogue. Um, but then but still, the dialogue writer, the script writer, will be putting it in. I think we, they do use screenwriter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do put it into the actual script form. How um, many of those are employed? There are um, I, five, five of those as five. well. Okay. Five and, different writers. These right. Aren't, right. The, the outline writers don't write scripts. No. no. Okay. And do you, is it, do you handpick who is doing what based on storylines, or is it just you go through order, it's today, it's this person, the next day, it's this person? No, there, it is um, premeditated who will write what. Uh, the, we have a, a script editor, too, who um, will weigh in on who she thinks should write which hmm. outline. Um, and we seldom disagree. She really knows what, what she's doing. And then after the the scripts are in, it goes through her. Uh, then she really makes sure that the people, that everything tracks, because that's a huge issue on daytime television. When you've got that many shows, you forgot what somebody said two weeks ago. But, you know, it's uh, we have continuity people who are paying attention right. to that. Uh, slips through the cracks every once in a while, as the fans will tell I'm us. sure you'll hear about it. <laughs> yes. You know, wait a minute. That wasn't her birthday. Right. Um, that kind of thing. But, um, and then it's ready to air. Right. So let me ask, uh, in hiring the outline writers and the script writers, what, what are you guys reading? What are you looking for in a writer? You know... Many have tried, but <laughs> but few have succeeded, honestly. Yeah. I, I, when I talked about puzzle doing, I think that that is a real asset. The ability to put together pieces. Um, our audience should never know, for example, how limited the number of sets we mm-hmm. can use are. You know, we can use five, maybe six sets in one day. So you need to have the kind of mind that's able to explain why, when ordinarily you'd throw somebody out of your house, you have to have a character say, I am leaving and you better not be here when sure. I come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. And, um, we've had a lot of really, really fine writers come and try to do outlines and haven't gotten it. Um, so, really, it's just a matter of reading what somebody's written. Um, right now, we're just working with a really group of a group of really experienced writers, all of whom we've worked with before. So, um, you know, and as I said, with with the number of shows going from twelve to four, there was a yeah. pool of writers. Much as we'd like to bring in young and newer writers. Um, yeah, the, right. the veterans also, are out there. The experienced mm-hmm. writers are out there and could probably enjoy that work. 
yes, yes. <laughs> Still, the, the, but the outline, I would say the outline process of all of them is the most difficult to mm-hmm. find um, writers who, who grasp how to do that, to do it well, to do and, it fast. That's the thing. You have, right, you know, right. two days to you do it. You 48 well, hours yeah. to turn it around. That, that At most, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple days to turn around the outline. And then how long do the scripts get? Um, About a week, essentially. They get okay. assigned on a Monday night and they have... They have a six or seven days. And then will they be doing, like, if someone's writing a Monday episode and, Mm -hmm. you know, they have a few days, they have a week to do it, will they then get the next Monday episode? Like, it seems like you have a fairly good assembly line. Or they'll do the next week's episode, though, because you only have five writers. Right. What will happen sometimes, if somebody's on vacation, somebody will write two episodes, sure. uh, both either in outlines or, or scripts. Gotcha. Uh, which means then you still have the same amount of time to accomplish twice as much work. Right. It's fast. And then there are the weeks where we write and produce six episodes in five days. Or, so. Mm-hmm. Because of a holiday or because of... To get ahead in production, it's a financial mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. move, too, when you um, can do more and sometimes it's, it's to accommodate for holidays the studio goes dark for several weeks throughout the year uh, and um, yeah sometimes they'll they'll do different segments on different days and yeah. I, yeah I was curious about that catching your breath part I mean when you guys sit down to sort of arc out six months of story you haven't been you're not coming off of a hiatus as many TV primetime TV writers are you're still rolling in the current story like that's a lot to keep track of um how do, how do you keep track of it? <laughs> well, hopefully because we have a fair number of writers, somebody's right. keeping track, <laughs> uh, that we keep each other honest. Um, but it's also so much story. Yes. You know, like, there must be things, there must be a certain point where you say, I have nothing for this character. You have 27 characters. That happens. <laughs> so how do, how do you get through that? They look at that glossy. They think, we can't, we can't right? tell that, that character. They what don't is have left for this character or yeah. what is left for these, these handful of characters? I mean, how do you push through that stuff? Well, with a, a show that has a 54-year history, and obviously not all the characters go back right. that far, uh, people will who've never watched a soap and they hear General Hospital and they'll say, oh, that's the Luke and Laura show, right? <laughs> um, and indeed, we do have Laura on the show. Yeah. But um, uh, the, the characters are so well-defined at this point that even if we don't have a big story for a character, they are so connected to another character mm-hmm. that if uh, uh, the character of Dante... You know the character Falcon of Dante. Mary, I do. Uh, he is mm-hmm. he is a cop. So if he is not front and center in a custody story, right. he is still a cop, yeah. and he is also the son of a very important character. So because of all those interrelations, there's always some way mm-hmm. to use the characters in other people's stories. Until uh, if you're front burner for a few months, you might be back burner right. for a few months. But there will always be some way that you can. Connect and because it is General Hospital, uh, one main set uh, on our show is the hospital. Always something you could do in a hospital. (laughs) Somebody's always got a hangnail. Is that where you're at now? It's it's hangnails. No, 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 it's much better than hangnails. Um, Do you have? I don't know. I'm sorry to jump around, but. So are there notes, as me and the writer brain, I'm going, so do you have to pitch stories to the network? Do you have, what is that? Because it's such a fast-moving train. I mean, doing a, a weekly show is a fast-moving train. Doing a daily show is unbelievably difficult, I would imagine. Who is reading what? Who are you talking to? 
How does that work? Yeah, we do pitch story, long story, to um, our executive producer as well as our network people um, who, fortunately, on this show, they tend to say yes a lot more than uh, than not. Um, but um, And because they are experienced as well, they understand, and they have input, you know, and they'll say, mm, I don't know, no, we don't want to go this direction, no. Uh, but assuming they give you the go-ahead for a story, they do understand with this immediacy, you can change directions uh, mid-story, or you can see something on the air, a, a pairing that you thought was going to be great, and it's not, or you see an, an unexpected pairing, and you yeah. think, wow, that could be interesting. So a story that you pitched for the next six months within two or three could be going in a different direction. And we do have weekly um, notes meetings, uh, and uh, weekly uh, the, our producer and the network uh, executive go over the projection for the following week. So there's always a, a time for them to give feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, are there are there stories that got away? Yes. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear the answer. Uh, there are stories, I would say there are stories that are on hold. Well, it must always feel like that, right? Like if it's something you can't fit in and, well, we'll get to it in 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the timing just isn't right. The circumstances aren't right, but circumstances change. I mean, we... Mm-hmm. we it's like to go to your question before about you know characters who get backburnered. Sometimes you know, with a character like Laura who's been on for decades, or even Sunny who's been on for a long time, you you will hit a wall, and then after four or five weeks, someone will throw out an idea in the room, and you're like, oh well, here's a direction that Sunny hasn't been in, or here are here circumstances are arising for Laura that will push her in a new direction. Marriage, um, perhaps. Marriage she's or been career proposed. She's been goal. proposed to. <laughs> right. She's been proposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there certainly are um, stories um, that didn't work the way mm-hmm. I'd envisioned or hoped, you know, and, and if there were more time, I wish we could go back and fix it or right. change it or, or, but, you know, that that's bound to happen. Um, I'm pleased to say that largely we're we're happy with the forward-moving direction that we yeah. always seem to have. What is what is the the fun for you guys of this? Uh, are, are you puzzle people? Is it the pace of it? What 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 are you enjoying specifically about writing in this genre? Um, yes, to both of those. The the um, but I it is the most collaborative uh, genre that I've been involved hmm. in. I mean, we really are a team. You know, and even if you know we're coming up with the long stories at top, I think the greatest fun is laying out the week with with the team. It's an extremely irreverent group of writers, uh, really smart, a smart group of writers, uh, and um, and there's there are always laughs in the room, uh, and uh, I, I think that that I really enjoy the people I work with. Hope you do too, Chris. <laughs> I mean, this is this is wish fulfillment for me. I grew up watching these characters, and to to be able to sort of uh, treat them as puppets is <laughs> is fun. And you know, this is a show that can go from uh, 
you know, people wearing masks and having, you know, their masks burned off by, you know, fondue on one moment <laughs> to telling a really heartbreaking story, uh, you know, about somebody's illness and another. Uh, and to yeah, me, when you I wrote get the to fondue watch, day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but there is something to that, right? Writing to getting to write the gamut of genres and emotions and tones. Um, right. It's the thing that I, I like to remind uh our executive producer from time to time that this is a show that tried to freeze the world back in the late 70s so <laughs> that's my out for you know wanting to put people in masks from time to time sure <laughs> I, I would imagine I was thinking about this this morning that this is the only genre I mean I would think it's more imaginative in a lot of ways where a character could die and come back or you know that kind of thing is that because that's completely different than I think any of us as writers get to do that I mean what is that part of the brain is there a like a filter on oak like kind of what you're saying is that too crazy are we gonna because you have to think about going down to four soaps not losing an audience right and keeping the show on the air how do you decide that balance seldom do we think anything is too crazy (laughs) we don't have the crazy filter but the um, yeah but the powers that be will often say that's too crazy it's always funny to us when in in a notes meeting we're uh, talking about a story with a, a legal aspect and one of the notes will be well is that accurate can that really happen you know usually we do check to make sure it can happen but then if it can't we have to remind them that, come on, you know, we were freezing the world a few years ago, you know, and people come back from the dead. And there there are no rules, and yet there are rules. Mm-hmm. Because in a strange way, uh, I think what our audience is like is what seems to be real people who are just faced with improbable situations. I right. think some of the nice, some of the most beautiful things I think that, that we do are the real family moments, small moments between a, a mother and her daughters, Alexis and her daughters, or even Sonny the mob boss who may be you know, shooting up a, a restaurant in one scene. Him with his daughter who's, who's questioning her sexuality. Those are the moments, I think, that are also really special. That It's the continuation uh, of character. Uh, as much as the continuation of story, it's you come back to see the characters and what they're going to do and how are they going to react to uh, other stimuli as much as the plot. The plot is more a backdrop for the... And I think this is what's happened in primetime, that they have co-opted the genre. You know, when I was young and watching Dr. Kildare or Ben Casey, it was about the the medical case of the week. Yeah. Or police drama was about the, the criminal case. And then Hill Street Blues came along, and it was more about, uh, you know, Ferrillo, and, uh, and, and it became more about the character, uh, and the plot was secondary. So I think we get away with a lot of our, you know, crazier plot stuff. Because it's about how will the characters react mm-hmm. to right. that. Mm-hmm. As long as they stay true, as long as their reactions in these crazy situations, you know, 
honor what the audience has come to believe of them. I mean, it's not it's not really it's not really rocket science, I think, but <laughs> but, but, but it in, works. But in some ways, I mean, you have such a harder task to get people to watch every mm-hmm. day. You know, I think we're thinking about how do we get people to come back every week? You have to figure out how are people going to turn it on every day. What do you think is the main drive for that? I mean, I think character is probably a big portion of you have to like who these people are but how what is the thought process to all right make sure they watch monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday maybe they miss one but we'll catch them up on thursday but Mm -hmm. still like what because i think that that i think as writers we all are coming from that kind of a place of trying to figure out how do you make someone especially as you know all of everyone's genres are kind of dying off a network like what is that do you think that makes people come back I think we work backwards a lot, and I think that that um, that helps. Like if we're looking at a Monday through Friday, and you know that you want a big cliffhanger, you, you try to have a cliffhanger every day, mm-hmm. but a big one on Friday because there's the weekend and you come back. So we will sometimes think, okay, where do we want Friday to end? And then once you have that in mind, uh, then you fill in, and again, knowing where the story is going longer term, you back and fill. You go, okay, to get there, uh, you know, is someone literally going to jump off a cliff? You know, to, to get there, you, you have to lay in the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also, and these are things that are the constraints that the audience should not be aware of. Uh, the There are actor guarantees. Hmm. There are certain numbers uh, of times a week that you need to play somebody to Pages keep them to Pages or that. scenes? No, uh, days. Episodes. Episodes. Okay. Episodes. okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, if, if wow, we haven't seen this character in a couple of weeks and he's falling away under guarantee, then you know, we need to start putting that character in mm. scenes or if somebody... So, the, again, these are the things that we have to deal with that, that hopefully the audience never knows. No, mm-hmm. we don't. No, well, that's good. We don't. wild, though, because that's even more parameters on the parameters you already have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it felt like, again, in watching uh, you know, a week's worth of show... Mm. The and, and again, you have the cliffhanger at, on every episode and the big one on Friday, but that sort of inching forward of plot was really interesting to me. And, like, yes, absolutely, people have been living with these characters, many of these characters, for 50 years. And they're going to keep coming back to see these characters. But you also have to keep this thing moving, and, and to Danielle's point, keep them coming back. But the plot moves so incrementally... And yet, so much happens. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about that balance and conversations that you guys have with each other as you talk about a six-month plan and a three-month plan and a three-week plan for you know any sort of macro plot. Um, yeah, that is the, the challenge, um, to keep it moving at a good pace and yet really take your time with things. And when I said there were regrets I've had, sometimes I think it's taken us too long mm. to get to uh, a climax of oh a story. Oh my God, when is Jason going to be Jason? Is this what you're warning me? Am I months away? He's not even in Port no. Charles yet. He's just in New York. I will promise <laughs> that there will, be, there will be many uh, reveals to <laughs> along come the way. soon. Along the way. I mean, yes, I think yes. as a fan, you trust that that's going to pay off, but it also has been a very very slow burn, right? Like, how do you decide how long that's going to take? Yeah, um, I think it was 
what, uh, it was either Agnes Nixon right. or was it Agnes yeah. who yeah. said, make them laugh, make them cry, make them wait. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is the, you know, you, you, if you put it all out there every day, then there's no need to come back the sure. next day. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is a fine art to decide how, what pace right. to go. It's also... A, a day in Port Charles, the city in which General Hospital takes place, can play over five episodes mm-hmm. or more or less. So if somebody is pregnant in uh, February, you know, you figure nine months from February, but really, in reality, they've probably been pregnant for like three months by the time <laughs> the baby is born, and yet it has to feel like like time has, yeah. has passed. That was an interesting thing in watching. Like, I had no sense of time where things were happening concurrently mm-hmm. or after right. each other or because scenes are broken up mm-hmm. um, in like these tiny mini cliffhangers. Um, again, is this a discussion you have about the passage of time and and moving story forward and moving characters forward? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, this is I mean, it's all collaborative, but these these scenes they all happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. You don't watch another show where it's like that. It's you're going yeah. back in time at the beginning of each scene to what ha- you know this was happening at the same time as the scene mm-hmm. that we just saw. Uh, yeah, that makes it very unique. And it seems like it's something that just viewers have internalized and and just know how to watch. But coming from it, having never seen it, it really is... You have to train yourself to watch that. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you guys had to be trained to write that. Um, Yes, to to an extent. That was something that I... Learned, you know, mm-hmm. when I when I came in, what a what a DPU, a direct pickup, uh, mm-hmm. uh, meant. Like you you don't want to go from a, a prologue scene and then you don't go back to those characters to in an act four and have them just pick up right. where they left uh, four acts ago. But if you are ending an act, going to a commercial on a question, it's perfectly legitimate to come back after the commercial with a direct pickup sure. of that line. These are the things. Well, we, we joke, it's like, how long does it take to get from Port Charles to, to Paris? <laughs> Two acts. Unless you need it to be, unless you need it to be a day. You know, unless you need people stuck on a tarmac for uh, uh, several episodes. Right. Uh, the audience is very savvy about these things. They're not, they know, they know how it works. They're, and they, they go with it. I, when I was working at One Life to Live before I started writing there, there was a story that the way it broke out in episodes was uh, a bunch of people were having dinner at the palace restaurant and in the time that it took for this dinner, for these people to finish their dinner, somebody flew to Africa, (laughs) discovered somebody else's deep, dark, hidden secret and came back and people were still at the restaurant. (laughs) So, but they don't care. They realize it. They'll make, they'll make a joke about it. Maybe, you know, some will gripe about it, but, but that's the language of we the show. stretch. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the language of the genre, which I think yeah. is really cool and interesting. Like anytime if a kid is sick and going into the hospital, I know an older person is going to come out of the hospital. Like Michael years ago, <laughs> yeah. like he was going into a coma. I'm like, oh, it's time for Michael to be dating or whatever. He And he came out like a teenager. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, and you know what? I was fine with it. And I think sometimes we torture ourselves in all genres. I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys torture yourselves, too, to think about what is the audience thinking? What are they willing to put up with? But the truth is, if you love the characters, they're willing to put up with an awful lot and I think sometimes we get bogged down um, you know in half hour an hour long of like well it can't the logic of that can't it can't be and then I think about watching General Hospital or whatever and I go I watch it every day I record it 
every day and I catch up. I exercise. That's what I do. I exercise and I watch General Hospital. And it's like, you know, I, I do think and I enjoy it as much, if not more, than so many things on TV. And those things happen and you just... You go along with that. Yeah, I mean, I think a savvy audience, we have to think about our audience, our audience is being savvy in all genres, you know, and and not not thinking it has to be so literal. It has to be fun. It has to be worth coming back to. I think we're losing that to some degree in the business. And I I wonder about the business of soap operas, what you guys think about, are they... Going, I mean, I'm working at. I've worked in network TV. I talked about that on the podcast I was on before. My whole career, everyone keeps saying it's going away. I'm like, is it go? <laughs> is it really going away? I mean, maybe it's going away. I don't know. Do you think that soap operas are, you know, you have numbers to look at, so maybe it's yeah. different. You know, it's certainly changed. The viewership has changed. Um, the demographic is a little older. Younger people view television uh, in a different way sometimes without a television yeah. you know my my one of my sons doesn't have a television yes he's current on everything that that <laughs> one could see um, so it's certainly changing I think uh, serialized storytelling will always be a thing you know I don't know where it will pop up I'm not sure anybody could predict it to, to your point about forgiving audiences though the the, the audience themselves has come up with a phrase for Michael going to the hospital at age five and coming out at 15. It's called sorassing, which stands for soap opera rapid aging uh, syndrome. Oh, that's funny. And, yeah, they, they very much accept that's that. That's funny. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. time for him to do other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and these are the tropes, again, of the genre. Exactly. But um, yeah, as far yeah. as the future, I, I, I don't know. I'm... I'm uh, you haven't been told to wrap up 27 storylines, right? No, but we, we were both at One Life to Live at the time when yeah. we were yeah. told that. Right. When I was hired there, the man who hired me to be his assistant said, you should be planning for the future because this show isn't going to last five years. And it was on for 10. And I got to you know write for it wow. for much of that time. So I have, I have optimism. And did yeah. you? Are you guys the reason that actors from One Life to Live because they did a crossover? So as One Life to Live was getting canceled, some actors were crossing over as their One Life to Live characters, right? And then those actors were so good that they, again, the trope of it, they became new characters, <laughs> and literally, what? right? And you must have had to. Did you have to legally make them new characters? Well, yes, there was a. Sure. There actually was. Um, uh, at the time, after One Life to Live went off the air, it was picked up by um, an internet production right. company that was turning it into an internet show. And there was some legal issues about using the characters, but the actors obviously were, were free agents. I was, uh, um, I was at General Hospital at the beginning of that crossover, but then I, I was gone at the, the Young and the Restless for a mm-hmm. while when when the whole lawsuit thing was going on. But, um, but. Yeah, you know, you wanted to pick up the viewership from the defunct show, uh, which was the lead into General Hospital too. So, uh, you know, it so brought that might over be different audience. too from the, just a genre standpoint. Sometimes the fans follow the actors themselves, too, yeah. which I don't know that that. I mean, you hope that that happens when you're casting people, you know, in in, in primetime shows, but that isn't. I don't think it translates the same as yeah. it does in daytime, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like they attach in the same way they attach to a character to an actor and will follow them. They do. It is sometimes a, a, a big coup to get a um, you know an actor who was very popular. Mm-hmm. In fact, let's see. So this people will be listening to this in December, you say. Yeah. Um, so I think you know we can say, for example, yes, we have, we have <laughs> passed. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, 
not spo- not giving you any spoilers. Okay. I'm, but, a, I'm, uh, a, I'm here for um, it. But uh, we have cast um, Tamara Braun, who is a recognizable soap opera character, who in fact had played a, a different character on our show, and um, we think it's going to be a really big uh, deal for the audience. I think, I think cool. they're going to be really happy to see her back on our show in a, in a different character. That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, that is a completely, I haven't thought about that, but that's a, what a fun thing to do, and I don't know if you know this, Ben, but James Franco mm-hmm. was on General Hospital for a year? On and off for, for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, James was Franco played long. a character named Franco, who was a, who who is still a character, but then just wake up one day and James Franco no longer is going to be on General Hospital. So a new actor mm-hmm. who had already played somebody else on the show became Franco, and and you just go, yeah, well Franco still needs to be on, so clearly someone else is going to play him, and that, but yeah, I mean it's you get, you know, mm-hmm. soap stars and just like. Movie stars. Yeah. That's and how this is good where I is. say it's a little yeah. bit like theater, too. Uh, first of all, it's like theater That's in the constraints of sets. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't cut to some other place. These are the sets you can have on a stage at, at one time. Uh, but in theater, they recast roles all the time. And now, right. now, obviously, the same person isn't seeing the same production every night, um, so it isn't quite as jarring. But that's the other thing our audiences really understand today: the role of somebody mm-hmm. will be played by somebody else. They, they literally—that is true. I mean, I mean, that literally is said sometimes. Although I haven't seen it mm-hmm. in a long time, but there used to be like someone was out sick or on vacation or whatever, and they would be like, "This week, you know, so and so will be played mm-hmm. by well, this yeah, other person." That's the other half of this I was curious to hear about is the physical production. Like, mm-hmm. How how often are cameras? Rolling, and you guys have seen um, changes in like technology too over fifteen mm-hmm. years. So, has how has that affected things? Has it made it easier? Like, just just kind of walk me through that. Oh, I don't know, because maybe you know more about. Honest, yeah, no. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But we sit in our room We're, with our typewriters. I don't sure, know what right. they, my typewriters. That's, <laughs> well, technology has caught up. We, we do use laptops. Um, yeah, I, I have. I honestly. Uh, I'm not really familiar with what happens once it leaves our real so, desk and shows up on the air. I've been on the studio floor. Right. I've seen it happen, but that's not my area. Sure. Right. I mean, when the difference, right? When I started off in this in this genre in this in this career uh, at One Life to Live, we were in the same building as mm-hmm. the production, so I saw the actors all the time. I could be on the floor. I under, had a very good understanding of how the sets worked, but circumstances being what they are and we're in New York and the show is in LA there are times when we're writing uh, you know someone will get off the elevator in the hub at the hospital and we'll have another sort of small scene lit going on in the same in the same set and we like well, is this person getting off the elevator? Can they see these people? Should we pretend that they can't oh, see? Funny. Can we just like cut away and never have it in frame so that we can just pretend <laughs> that they didn't see? Yeah, we call uh, the we, production people. Right. And and to this day, now I've been back and forth at General Hospital a few times, and there is a set, the Metro Court Restaurant, mm-hmm. which is the restaurant in this hotel. Oh. <laughs> and I think once a week I'll say, so they go down to the restaurant, and then we realize, no, it's up to the restaurant. <laughs> this is on the top floor. Or there'll be sets where we'll say they go up to the bedroom and we're constantly told there are no stairs in that set. <laughs> right. so, who are you okay. talking to? Who Who's telling you those things? Or who is there a writer on the set or there are no writers on the set? That is because there are stopgap measures all along the way. That should get noted 
uh, at the outline stage, things like that, that that after we've done that one week's worth of outlines, we do have a notes meeting, uh, and that is where that that sort of thing should be addressed. Notes coming from production or notes coming from your writers who say... Um, pre- not not the writers. We think what we wrote first time was brilliant. <laughs> yes. uh, no, this, oh, yes. this, <laughs> this is from uh, the executive producer, okay. the gotcha. network, and the other producers who, okay. you, know, you know, the set person the, who will say, you know, you can't do this or the way you envision this, that's not going to work. Uh, and that's where... physical productions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And everyone is very solution-oriented, so we seldom get a note that just says you can't do that right. it's you know but what if you did this instead right. or um so that that's how that works but no writer on the set there is no uh, well there the are people in the building editor, mm-hmm. yeah is responsible for, you know if there's some kind of emergency uh and we need quick revisions she knows everything and mm-hmm. she's there in the building so and, she can change dialogue and what last what? minute last minute She's not supposed to. She can't. Oh, no. She can't. Oh, no, she can't. No, we Sometimes we actors very grateful. Well, that's why, I guess that's what I was curious, <laughs> yeah. because in TV, you know, the writers are the bosses, and then in, then in movies, obviously, it's directors, traditionally, with some... Yeah. But, so... Who's the boss on the on the floor? If if an actor doesn't like their line or has a problem with the story or something, who who does that? Well, the the director. It depends on who's directing an episode and who will will cut certain actors more slack than others, and the producer of the episode as well. But the executive producer has the uh, scenes on his monitor, and if he sees something, um, he'll be down there in a flash. Um, Is he a writer or he's no? But he says he's just. He's an incredibly talented producer. He he really is, and um, and as as a director himself as well, um, because of again the the speed uh, necessary, we allow. Uh, I don't want any actors to hear this. If I say we allow a certain amount right. of, but it, uh, happens. it happens. It happens. You you, you got to yeah. move forward. So um, it was close enough. You're talking right, about like right. that was yeah. close as long enough. as the actors don't improvise by saying between you and I, <laughs> um, uh, which is to me you know right. nails on a chalkboard. They can improvise as long as they're yeah. grammatically correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. Stick to the grammar, but. Um, y- you know, as long as they've gotten the sense of right. what needs to be said. Which is not unusual for any production, I think. No, uh, of course not. I mean, there have been times where some actors have just questioned, why am I saying this at all, or have had bigger issues, and then mm-hmm. it becomes a bigger deal. Then the producer will call us, sure. you know, and we may have to talk to the actors. Uh, it, it, it isn't enough for the editor to handle. Uh, and But that doesn't happen very often, fortunately. How far in advance are they getting scripts for for those issues to come up? About a week, the eighth cast. Oh, wow. It's yeah. probably... If it's, if it's like what it was before, they get a, things about a week in advance of taping. That's more time than I expected, and yet not very much time. <laughs> no, I mean, these scripts are... I mean, 90 pages is just, is just the actual script, but because wow. of the way we tape... They'll be taping segments from other shows right. at the same time. Well, that time. was my question. So, is it mm-hmm. is it all block shooting? How much? How many pages are done in a week? Say. Um, again, these day. are production questions. Right. I am not sure of, but as, as Chris was saying, I do know that if if one set is mm-hmm. going to be used throughout a week, they may tape a sure. week's worth of scenes for the same actors in that set over the course of one day. It's a long production day. 
And again, you know, every day of the week they're in, in production if the studio isn't dark. So, gotcha. um, yeah, and some actors who are front and center, that's a lot of pages right. mm-hmm. of material, you know, a week's worth of material to be doing in, in one day of taping. Sure. Um, a couple of quick questions just uh, about this genre specifically. Um, what are the specific challenges? What is the stuff that you guys often have to work through or in the past have had to work through uh, to this genre? Well, for me, it's finding something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> finding a story that hasn't been told before or finding the new twist. You know, it's like I was studying Spanish and watching telenovelas, which are really kind of different. Mm-hmm. But I knew enough to know that if a woman was at the top of the, a staircase and she was pregnant, she's going down. <laughs> she's going down. You know, so it's a way of not having that predictability mm-hmm. to everything that we do. And and I, to me, that's the greatest challenge to keep right. it current, to try to tell stories that actually even have some social value. We we like to do that. Um, that's, that's my mm-hmm. greatest. I yeah. think I would echo what Shelley says. I mean, I it's been a long time. I mean, probably since I was just a mere viewer that a soap opera has surprised me. I mm-hmm. feel like most audience members know what's going to happen. Um, it's hard to throw them a curveball. But so really, to me, it's in uh, making them think of when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen today? Is it going to happen tomorrow? I mean, because really what they're tuning into, I think, is to see the people that they've gotten to know for 20 years, how are they going to react when they learn this or when they get slapped or when they walk in on their wife in bed with another man or whatever. Right. That's, that's what I'm looking for because I, I, it is really hard in a show that's 54 years old. What is the new take on something? Occasionally sure. we'll come across a, you know, a topic that hasn't been explored and that's been the history of soap operas that they've mm-hmm. been able to do so well mm-hmm. um, over yeah. the years that, we're looking for what's the new, what's the, like you said, what's the new relevant thing that's happening in the world today? How can we apply it to poor Charles? Who are the characters that would? What has know? that been for you in the past year? Let's say. Well, the nurses—they do a cool thing. The nurses' ball. Which? How many years back does that go? It takes back to like the. Year, mm, I want to say 93, 94. Yeah, so it was, there was a character there. who has AIDS, and so this is a, this was back then when it was first. I mean, and they do it every year, which is a really cool. There's a lot of social kind of issues mm-hmm. that come up, but that's something that as a viewer is fun to watch because it's an annual event. At, you know, it takes a week. Is It usually takes the course of a week, I think, the nurse's ball, but it is about like a real hmm. cause, you know, with AIDS awareness and raising money for right. AIDS. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's which was really must have been quite profound back in the, you know, early 90s sure. to, do, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have some things coming up. Oh, that. yes, we do. <laughs> Sometimes I forget what we're writing. Oh, yeah, we do have something. Yeah, do you want to give us a hint? Um, uh, well, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't want to give you a hint. Everyone. Tune in, exactly. It must, be, it must be satisfying for you guys to find these annual events. I don't know if there are more of them on the show, but to have those sort of tentpole things that you can at least start to build around. Absolutely. We know that while it is a a celebration of our hospital characters and it also is raising awareness for uh, AIDS research, it is also uh, the... um, 
a talent yeah. show, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get all right. the characters have to get up and sing. think of a story right now. Yeah. Exactly. This singing and dancing. It's your hiatus. It's kind of your hiatus. In a week, it's like, well, just make them strip. That's what they're going to do. That's right. And then take off their clothes. But but something big always has to happen. Either two people will realize that they're meant to be together or two people will blow apart or something else is brewing. Something else big has to happen around that event. So, yeah, it is very helpful to know that okay, we're building toward this. Mm. What stories can collide there? What trains can uh, crash on the tracks? Give some structure to your year. How many episodes a year, by the way? What are we up to? Two hundred. I mean, I mean, uh, I don't know. Two hundred and sixty, give or take, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my other sort of big question, especially for listeners, is if a writer wanted to get into this world, uh, it seems it seems difficult. Uh, it seems like there's a small pool. There aren't a lot of soaps anymore. Um, but what kind of material should they be creating? Uh, what kind of I don't want to say networking, but like where can they be? You know what I mean? Yeah, it is It is tricky with only, uh, I'm estimating with only four network soap operas, there are 40 jobs in the industry, period. Mm-hmm. That, writing jobs. Sure. I mean, that that's it from top to bottom. Um, however, um, we would love fresh talent and somebody who comes to the genre loving it. Um, that would be great. Um, so, you know, like, like with anything, I always say that trick to writing is right you know try it do it if you've written samples there are i mean one way that we hire uh writers is first they may get a sample mm-hmm. uh deal uh, to write which, a script or to write an outline depends on which way you want to go uh, yeah where your talents lie yeah um or sometimes both write a script off your own outline um if you know somebody likes that, you might you might get a, a sample deal. The next phase after that is a, a trial deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are all obviously through the union as well. But sure. um, uh, you know, if somebody's got what it takes, we we love to find uh, new, fresh voices. To, so tell right. The story. So what is the spe- Do you write a general hospital? I mean, I don't even know what it looks like. I'm in this business. Yeah. I don't even know what it looks like. Are they out there? Can you find them online? Like, what is a 90-page... That's what you said a script is? Is, is it 90? Roughly, probably. Like, what wow. it, What does it look like? Where do you, you know, where do you even see them? Like, if you were trying to... Yeah, if you wanted to spec a yeah, general if you wanted or to, or, any, so. or, like, if you were really interested in this genre, what is it that you write? I don't know that I've ever seen one on the internet. If I were to type in general hospital outline or breakdown, I don't know that I've... I mean, I've had... um, I've had friends who have done sample deals uh, as a result of being interns mm-hmm. uh, at the at whatever show. So working I was on at. a show and right. then, mm-hmm. and you know, I'll just or I'll give someone who is interested in it. I'll give them an old breakdown of mine, sure. something that you know aired already, and say here. Read this, and if you have any questions. So the breakdown is what the outline writers yes. use. Yes. Okay, so that's right. what you're saying. It's mm-hmm. basically like a beat sheet, right? Mm-hmm. I guess for us, yes. this, this, and this happens yes. in this hour. Now go outline it. No, the, the no. breakdown is the outline. Okay. It's just our word for it. Got it. Uh, Got yeah. it. So you're giving them the outline and saying, "Go write a script." Right. Right. That's the test. Right. To to try your hand at writing outlines. I, I think a lot of our audience doesn't even know that that's. 
that's a thing. Sure. You know, and as I said, they no longer have the writer development program specifically for soap operas. Um, so, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, I will be honest. Uh, but, you know, if somebody... And I don't want you know thousands of people to be writing to me <laughs> sending samples. But you know, if right. sometimes just I, in conversation, you can tell whether somebody has the 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 real genuine interest um, and the sensibility, mm-hmm. the sensibilities. And I and, assume material comes through agents and stuff like any other yes. show. Like that's how you guys are finding sample material. Yes, and then you'll have the conversation as the next step. Same, exactly. same as any other hiring mm-hmm. process on a show. And this is guilt. This is WGA regulated, right? Daytime yep. TV mm-hmm. is. Is there anything? Off. I mean, are you? Is there anything are you, unusual? Yeah. Are you? Or do you feel represented by the guilt? It is. It is a. You know. I don't know. Is it? Is it a? Are they looking out for you guys? That's my question. I guess. Like, what is? What is the protections? Yeah. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm pretty active side. in the the union. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, we had when there were more shows. We had a very. Uh, a, a special uh, daytime yeah. uh, wing that uh, were um, taking care of the interests of, of daytime. We disbanded when there were only, again, 40 writers to protect, and we just hope that each of us tries to protect ourselves. But it's a full union. You know, we're, we're covered by the union. The only unusual thing is sometimes... Um, uh, oh, this is way too technical. But um, uh, rather than getting a job where you uh, are paid for one uh, one episode a week, um, th- they may make uh, they, there may be a, a waiver where you might give somebody a, a half a show mm-hmm. uh, a week, and then you'll have you know to, just to mm-hmm. to keep more people employed. Mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise, it's pretty. St- there are minimums run. and all right. that. Kind yeah. Of oh yes. Oh yeah. Well, I was yeah, curious yeah, about yeah. that yeah. Yeah. too because mm-hmm. it seems like you're working twice as hard, <laughs> four times as hard. Uh, and yeah. Like, yeah. Is, is That's the, true. We don't have. To, you don't have to answer this, but is the money comparable? Like, are the minimums comparable to primetime TV or even to no, daytime? Not, I mean, not there comparable. are. Having been on both yeah. both sides of that, no. Not they're comparable not. by a lot. By a lot, is it? A, is oh, it? it a, uh, you know, if you have worked for a while, obviously everything's negotiable. Right. So if you you've if you're tried and true and experienced, you right. know, there's there's certainly room to right. to do well. But no, because. Um, again, being being technical, I know that uh, health insurance is tied to one episode, yeah. one primetime right. episode, yeah. um, and uh, but it will take our writers longer to to get there. To oh, really? get there. Yeah, um, it, yeah. So uh, no, we're not. But again, I that's not because we don't work as hard, but there is more money in primetime, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so we understand in, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's generating more income. So. Uh, those writers might be compensated better, but you know we're, we've all managed to live on this oh, in New York, uh, in, in New York, York in New York, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's 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 been it's been fine. Do you, do you guys? Um, I have just a quick question, uh, but do you guys have time to write other things? Do you have an inclination to write other things? Uh, I I have I've written a couple of young adult oh, novels, that's right. uh, mm-hmm. and I'm working on something now. But I I 
I, it's so hard. I mean, by the time Absolutely. Friday afternoon rolls around. Office. How, how long are you in the office? Well, I was listening to the previous uh, episode of the podcast that aired, and, you know, I guess you guys in prime ago. time will spend 10 to 12 hours in a in a room every day. Oh. We, I mean, we're, we're, we're in like the that. room for <laughs> eight hours a day, and then you go home and write, and some people, it goes very fast, and hmm. I'm very, very slow, and it'll just come to me when it comes to me sometimes up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I get it done faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the room we keep. I think we keep a pretty good schedule. We start at ten thirty and work out by six. Oh. But it's constant. It is. It is. Right. It is. Yeah. It's. It is nonstop. Right. And uh, I guess we're in the office together pretty much three days a week. Okay. Um, but if somebody has gotten their assignment early, they peel off and we don't see them again until the following week. Then I'm there you know, longer and then Chris will come back and we'll talk about long story and um, yeah, as far as other things, you know, I always have you know the novel in the drawer that uh, I always say my best motivations are a deadline uh, and a pay- paycheck helps mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> so it's hard to be self-motivated. Absolutely. But, um, and the time. It, it's hard to find the time yeah. to do um, other things. Did you have more specific Yeah, I just had questions? one. It was actually kind of on the topic. Could one create a soap opera today? Could one create their own soap opera in this landscape? A daytime soap opera. A daytime soap opera. I mean, is Netflix going to put a soap opera on? Is oh, like, oh, I mean, yeah. is I like, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think, I think, yes, yes. I mean, there are the, um, you soap s- opera podcasts r- r- uh, and, too. And, and web series. You see mm-hmm, them. Yeah. People are doing them. But, you know, do they... I don't know. Do they do them daily, though, for the course of a year? I keep hoping oh, and sure praying that someone, someone does. Be, I mean, I imagine. I'm just curious. Do you have any desire to do it? Do you have a desire to? Again, with time, I would certainly be interested in exploring what's next, how to do that. How how do you bring a new audience right. to a, a an old format? Um yeah, I, I know can. there are people out there experimenting and, mm-hmm. and figuring out how it would work. Uh, you know, maybe in much smaller increments on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but binge watching on something like Netflix right. yeah. is how a lot of our viewers, once the advent of the VCR right. came in, right. uh, that's what a lot of our viewers have done for a very long time. You know, and 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 again, even Breaking Bad, I I will again say that was a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, it was the relationship between oh, thought, Walter and Jesse and Skyler. I thought um, "Rescue Me" was a soap opera, oh, which absolutely. is a show that I loved. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Scramble. think that they're yeah, sure. Sons, oh, sure. Sons of Anarchy. I don't know mm-hmm. if you watched it. They yeah. don't sound like soap operas, but those are very those were very yeah. much um, shows that pulled you in that were serialized. And I think you know, I would think that soap opera writers different from myself and other writers in terms of the experience are built for streaming like you know mm-hmm. the, the cliffhangers because I yeah. feel like we're starting to figure out alright how to do it because networks still think oh well they need to be self-contained half hours and they can't but it's like for someone to keep coming back or for someone to let them collect and then watch 10 in a row you know it, it, we have to be thinking that way and I would think that you guys are made for that format having to cliffhanger every single day you know that is so i just i just feel mm-hmm. like maybe someone out of your genre will crack some code I, of sure, like an interesting I, i'm sure they will i'm sure you know uh, you know we are still doing what dickens did yeah, you yeah. Know, and, uh, <laughs> so somebody i'm sure is thinking of the next way to do it yeah so we're not going to crack it today. 
<laughs> Maybe when the microphones are off, we don't want to just put it That's out true. there. We can't like, put it away. Yeah. Um, I want. I do want to wrap up, um, but I, for a moment, want to catch up with you, Danielle. Oh, me? When you were, Who when cares? You were last this year. was about General Hospital. Who cares? Yes, sir. Uh, you were running Carmichael. Yes, it got uh, canceled. canceled. Yes, that was fun. Uh, that kind of immediately canceled. after you were here. Uh, probably. Did you do? Was that you? Again, uh, you overestimate our audience. Yes, it did. Uh, where, yes. where have you landed? What are you up to? So I am uh, consulting on a show called LA to Vegas, mm-hmm. which will premiere in January. It's a very funny show. Um, Dylan McDermott is the star. He's the pilot. Um, Lon Zimmett created it. It was great. Who very was here funny and guy. talked about it uh, maybe six months ago? It's going so really well. We're, we're, we're in production. And so first week in January, that should premiere. And then I am working on a pilot. Um, I'm, and I'm writing something with um, Tiffany Haddish, who was the oh, she's was, great. yeah. So we're doing awesome. something together, and um, hopefully we'll we'll uh, you know have a series on nice. next year. Yeah. Or I'm going to go try and work on General Hospital. I think we'll you see. Should. We'll see. Can you either, give her a sample. Either, Come on. Either, yeah. either one. I'm going to test it. I don't know if I could do. It. I don't know if I have the muscle. This is fascinating. Fascinating to hear. Um, we wrap up as we always do by asking you what you guys are watching on television. Do you have time to watch other things on television? Oh What's getting God. you excited or yeah, inspired morning, these days? We're always recapping something, right. aren't we? You know, uh, we sure. recap Game of Thrones when that was, and that, uh-huh. that's gone. Yeah, I'm waiting for Better Call Saul to come back. Right. That's, I yeah. just saw that uh, Berlin. I keep seeing uh, billboards here for Berlin Station, which oh. I had I'd watched so, the first okay. season of, mm-hmm. and that is coming back. Mm-hmm. Yes, I assume that's why there are billboards. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, so I'll be watching that. And I confess to watching Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> That's great. See, this yeah. is how but I confessed to watching General exactly. Hospital, and now yeah. we're here. So you may yeah. you're in town, find yourself Dancing on Dancing with the Stars podcast. panel. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk to the writers. But, right? Well, and this is, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but the influence of serial drama, of soap, is like you see it in reality, you mm-hmm. see it on Game of Thrones, like... This is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are, are doing good work. Uh, congrats. Uh, yeah, and thank, thank you so you. much for being here. This is really you. cool. Thank you. This is fun. Thanks. Now leaving Nerdist.com.